Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things very quickly. Please download the app. Share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And wherever you see Joe and I on social media, primarily the Frontline TV on YouTube and at with Joe and Joe on Twitter, at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. Uh, Please like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that fun stuff. Help us out a little bit. Um, I think today is an important conversation because we're going to be talking about women. And the person we're going to be talking about uh, on that subject is Kristalina Everett. And Kristalina has written a new book out from Sophia Press, Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing. And as always, I'm going to ask it, but go out and buy the book, but buy it from the publisher. We always want to support our Catholic publishers. If you have to buy it from the big company, go go buy it from the big company, but let's try to stick with the publisher so it's available at Sophia Press. Um, And uh, many of you out there, uh, are familiar with Kristalina, but having said that, quick bio, Kristalina Everett is the founder of Women Made New Ministries and the co-founder of Chastity Project. She is a best-selling author of the books Pure Womanhood, How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul, and the curriculum You, Life, Love, and the Theology of the Body. She's spoken about the virtue of chastity and God's plan for human sexuality internationally to hundreds of thousands of teenagers, including events such as World Youth Day in Australia, Spain, and Poland. Uh, she is a frequent guest on radio programs throughout the country, and her television appearances include MSNBC, uh, the BBC, Donahue, WGN TV News, and EWTN. She and her husband Jason have hosted a pair of TV series for teens on EWTN, The Pure Life and Theology of the Body for Teens. Kristalina Everett, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. I'm happy to be here and excited. This sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It, it will. And 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 the one thing I will say is this, because if you obviously Joe and I follow social media a lot, um, women made new. I, I, you know, it seems like, you know, people might think that's a boring topic. It's not. Number one, especially since I mean, the question out there that everybody seems to be asking usually nowadays has to do with women. Uh, you know, in general. Um, and like I said to you earlier, Kristalina, we promise we won't get you in too much trouble, but I can't guarantee that. <laughs> Having said that, let me hand it over to Joe Resinello and we'll have a great conversation. Uh, it's our custom. We always begin with a prayer to Our Lady in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was made unaided. Father, by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you, we come to you, we stand sinful and sorrowful. A mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Well, I guess a good place to start is what inspired you to write this book. But to be honest, I can understand why you, you're writing this book. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion in the culture. And I think, to be honest with you, I mean, I went to college. Um, I, you know, fully embraced, like, let's, I'll, I'll put it, you know, you know, in a charitable way, the college life fully, um, you know, a lot of times I think people, both women and guys, they make bad choices and uh, people have to know that there's, you know, a door to new life as a result of those choices. Uh, talk about that, because I think that's maybe what was behind you writing this book. Am I wrong? You know, it's really in it's interesting how this book came to be, but I know what you're talking about, the bad decisions and choices. Back in high school, I really dove into that uh, promiscuous sexual culture. And after I ended up losing my virginity at 15 and I knew he just was using me, I really spiraled downward into the drinking and the drugs and the clubbing and you name it, I was into it. And it got pretty bad. But I mean, sin always takes you further than you ever want to go or you think you're going to go right you give it just a little here a little compromises there and then before i knew it i hated myself i didn't recognize who i was anymore i hated being alone at night in my own bed and uh it was it was a horrible life and i didn't know how to get out of it and it really was the courage of this young man my mother forced me to go to a chastity talk of all things and i was fighting her on it i said no i'm not listening to some dork talk about sex it's not happening you know and i ended up going to this talk because she was going to take my vehicle she was going to take my car and there's a big party and i said okay fine i'll go to your talk no problem so i thought i was going to sit there for about 15 minutes and just grab a pamphlet and go and there was a young man who was really honest, blunt, and he talked about the girls, the sex, the pornography, you name it. Everything he had been into, I felt like he had grabbed my hand out of the audience. He walked through my life. And the one thing that struck me and that pierced the darkness that no one could is that he was not ashamed of himself. I sat in my seat trying to figure out one day that I had not been ashamed of myself since I li started living that lifestyle. I couldn't find one. And I was, I was just... I wanted that so bad and I could see it. And so from that point on, I turned my life around. It was unbelievable. And God really gave me the grace not to fall back into those sexual sins, but it still was really difficult having a foot in both worlds, you know, had to be the party friends, but then I wanted to be good. I went to confession for the first time in years, I think. I would, I would go to confession, but it was a mask, right? Everybody has that mask they wear at times. And I felt like I was living in Halloween. I'd go to confession on the weekend, so my mom would see me, but then I'd go in that night and party and do the same exact things. But this time was different, and God really had mercy and grace. And that message that you can start over, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, but that you can start over. And that grace and that mercy of God is waiting for everyone. I mean, everybody is welcome. And that's what I wanted to tell young women, that it's not too late, that you can start over, that God has this amazing, incredible life and mission for you if you just have the courage to um, to do what he's asking you to do. If, if you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, we're being joined by Kristalina Everett. We're talking about her new book, Women Made New Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing. I happen to think, and I, I know I could speak for Joe, Kristalina, is that when people... If people want to find out or if they think in their mind, especially in America, what the root causes of all of our problems are, not just in the areas that we're talking about today, but whether it's the politics and everything else, it has a root cause. We are of the opinion that the sexual revolution of the 1960s is the root cause. It's not about abortion. It's about contraception. 
It's about the hookup culture. What you just described, the feminists say you're not being a full woman. You have to go out there and, you know, is, you, you, you know how many kids do you have, Kristalina? I have 11. I'm proud to say so. You know, I have eight children and I have my three babies in heaven. Mm-hmm. 11 kids, okay? The feminists say that you, you, you are the one that's not living the, uh, you're not being, let's say, put it like this, a full woman. Okay. In other words, that the life you you described that you were leading before then, that's really what you're supposed to do. There's books written about this, books like the hookup culture. They're telling young girls, okay, this is what you should go out, actually go out there and do. My larger point is this is what's causing all of our problems because it corrupts girls and it corrupts young men. And then what are you going to get later on in life for those who don't come to the realization that that you did? Okay. Now you now you have a bunch of people who are out there just addicted to sex, addicted to the hookup culture, addicted to pornography. What earthly good are you going to do in society if you wake up every day and that's all you ever think about? And I'm going to raise my hand because for 20 years of my life, that's how I live. So I'm not wagging my finger at anybody. Um, What are your thoughts on that, about that that being one of the major, major issues that we are dealing with in America that has led to so many of our other problems? You know, just everything you explain in your life, you know what it's like to be in that bondage, right? And just kind of just feel like there's no way out almost like just how, how do you do it? How do you get out of this mess, this yuck and this filth? And as these women read this book and the question I want all people can ask themselves is what is it that what is it that is keeping you from becoming the man or woman that God is calling you to be? How has the evil one kind of snatched you up? Where does he have his hold and his grasp on you? And just like you said, there was a pinpoint, there was a root. There's a root in all of us where the evil one really has that control of our vices, where we just are always tempted and we're always pulled, right? And we need to figure out, well, what is that root? And it's interesting how you just explained all of that. So let's talk about how the book came to be, because it actually goes hand in hand with the question you just asked me. So I was about seven months pregnant, okay? Almost eight months. I was big as a house, right? We just moved to Arizona. And I was cleaning up the living room and there was a little playhouse and I bent down, no joke, just to go get a juice box. And I just went to reach, bend down to get the juice box. And when I came back up, my leg and my my right side gave out on me. I was screaming in pain. I mean, it was like Jason comes running. I said, you know, and your body is so loose when you're pregnant and you're that, that, you know, and I've had so many kids that my backbones kind of opened when I bend down and they went back together the wrong way. Now, they didn't know it at the time, so I was completely dislocated in my back. And they took me to the emergency room. Oh, it's your sciatica. I couldn't get any MRIs, any medicine, x-rays, nothing. I wasn't going to hurt the baby. So, I mean, I'm in the kind of pain that it was like up there with childbirth, and there's nothing they could do. And I remember just like shaking in this pain, and and they sent me home. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, what is happening? And there are times in your life where you're crying to God, and there are times in your life where you're crying out to God. And that was a moment where I was just laying in bed, pretty much paralyzed, and I was crying out to God, not understanding. I have all of these kids who just moved to Arizona, and I couldn't even go to the bathroom without Jason to be with me to help me because I couldn't walk or move. It was bad, and I had to stay like that till after um, my delivery of the baby. So I was there for a while. Now, in that time, I really embrace that cross instead of getting angry because there's two roads in times like that in your life you can get mad at god and angry and frustrated or cave in on yourself or you can just embrace the cross and see what it is he's trying to do in your life and that's what i did and in that time i had a dream i had a dream that all of a sudden i was standing 
with these backs, with the, all these rows of women, rows and rows and rows of women, different ethnicities and sizes. And there was just rows and rows of them. And all of a sudden, there was a black shadow that would come in and out of these aisles of women. And as this big black shadow was passing these women, they would throw something over their head behind them, like, like a rock. And all of a sudden, these things are flying overhead. And oh my goodness, I'm like, what, what are these things? And I turned around and I said, Lord Jesus, what are those? And as I turned around, there was a big, just desolate, dead desert. And these things were falling to the ground and hitting like rocks on wet sand, right? That sound. And as I looked down, they were the most magnificent, gorgeous gems of all colors and sizes I've ever seen. And the sand would come up and swallow them like they were never there. And I said, Lord Jesus, what are those? And I heard a voice back say to me that those are the gifts and talents and virtues that I have given women in their vocations, and they are giving them away and way to the world. He said, go and get the gems, go find the gems and give them back to the women. And then I woke up. And I said, gems. And I was so satisfied. I said, gems. I remember my room yelling, gems. Where are these gems? What are you talking about? It was so real. And I'm like, Jason. I call Jason again. And he comes. And I tell him what happened. And he goes, oh, OK. Well, well, we're going to pray about that. You know? And he's thinking I'm emotional. And I'm pregnant. And I'm paralyzed. OK, there's a lot going on. But at the same time, I took that into my heart. And after a while, my ministry of Women Made New grew. I had my podcast, I had my radio show with the EWTM, my podcast, I had my my television show with them, Women Made New, but there was still something in an adoration is when I thought of this book of, I wanted to give women an arsenal. I wanted to weaponize them in their own healing process because that is really where it's at. If you can get women all over the world to really focus in, not on outward issues and the outward problems attacking them, but to go on the inside in their wounds and where they're, they need that healing, that grace, that mercy that is holding them back, holding them down from the mission that God is calling them to be. Let's say you get a thousand women all over the world really focusing and healing and becoming the woman God is calling them to be. You have an army of women right there to help the world. You have an exactly. army of women right there to help and, and do whatever it is God is asking them to do in this battle that we're in. When I was asking the different contributors, and there's 12 of them, Catherine Hadros specifically was the one where I, she called me and said, well, Crystalina, what do you want me to write about? And I said, Catherine, go into adoration and see whatever gem Jesus is going to give you. There's something he's going to give you to tell women. And when I got off the phone, I, I had chills. I was crying, and I thought, oh. I'm collecting the gems. I'm going to each woman and they're giving me the gems in this book that God wants to give back and to heal in women. And that is where this woman made new book came from. I, I mean, it's so great what you're doing. We're not just saying that. If you're just joining us, Crystalina Everett's with us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Women made new reflections on adversity, transformation, and healing. Healing. <laughs> we need a lot of it, but healing. Uh, that's available at Sophia Press. I want to make just a quick comment. I'm going to hand it over to Joe Crystalina. Um, what I see and why it's important what you're doing, all right, and other women, particularly in the Catholic Church, is that when, whenever, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys this, whenever you hear an argument, all right, when, when there's only one person talking, they're always going to make their argument sound very good and appealing and everything else. And people sit there and go, wow, that's, well, that makes a whole lot of sense until they hear the alternative. You're providing the alternative because the narrative in our lifetime, I'm 55, Joe's 51, okay? In our lifetimes, the narrative has always been one a one-sided narrative 
from the feminists that your book destroys, all right? And that's why it's so important so that young women are not just listening to one side. Saying, wow, that sounds great. Well, hold it. That might sound really great, okay? But maybe you should dig deeper into that. Why don't you listen to what this woman has to say? So important what you're doing. This way, young women in particular could say, no, 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 there's not one way of looking at this. There's another alternate way, which sounds, which not only sounds a lot better, but you could actually, you see in your mind that, that women would know, no, that absolutely is better. You know, when, when you make a comparison. So so God bless you, you know, for being that being countercultural, basically, uh, like Christ was being countercultural and going against this grain. I hope it helps a million women out there to open their eyes, particularly to, 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 to what other women are telling them that they need to be who don't necessarily have their best interests at heart. Um, but I don't want to be long winded. Joe Resinello. Let's talk about the 12 folks that are in the book. Um, they've overcome, they know, you know, they've overcome personal situations, uh, deceptions. Could you kind of give us a little taste of uh, some of the 12? Uh, sure. I have Cameron Fratt in here. I have Lisa Cotter. I have uh, Joey Pinto and Janet Bankovic, Teresa Tomio, and even my own counselor, Dr. Kimberly Shipione who's worked with me for years and years on my own healing process. I thought it was really important to have that authority and that Catholic psychologist in here of just disarming women in um, that counseling is not something to be afraid of, but it's actually a weapon that we can use in our own healing process to help us grow and to break those bonds that are over us. Um, and I've experienced that myself, but my, I think my favorite contributor out of all of them is Mother Angelica. And I remember being in adoration and asking God who he wanted to be in this book, asking Jesus and writing women down, writing names down. And that's truly where I get my marching orders. I go to adoration, I see what Jesus is telling me, and I go, that's it, that's how I roll. And so I'm writing these women down and all of a sudden, Mother, I wrote Mother Angelica's name and it was like pen drop, just total pen drop. <laughs> just like, wait, how's that gonna happen? You know, I'm not just shooting for the moon and the stars. This is like the universe, you know, how does that even come to be? And, and you know, it just worked out. I was allowed to listen to 300 hours of Mother Angelica's audio, um, the audio tapes and videotapes and some of her archive stuff. And I was able to compile two chapters that had never been in writing before. And there was a prayer in the very beginning that had never been published before as well. Um, and the prayer is magnificent. And it talks about holding your head up high as a woman and just trusting in God's providence, because at the end of the day, he's, he's going to take care of you that we don't have to worry. You don't have to be ashamed. And it's, it's just beautiful. And one of her chapters talks about personal prisons. And it really struck me because she said that she had met grown just men who are going to be there for life, who are more free in that prison cell than most people walking on the street in their own personal prison of their sin. And they'll never be free, some of them. And it was really beautiful. And it really rang true uh, to my own personal life and things that I had experienced. And I know there are women struggling with this right now. No, absolutely. I, you know, and the 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 analogy of the of the prison cell, you know, people have to remember, and we have to remind people of that prison cell closes from the inside. That locks from the yes. inside, you know, and, <laughs> and, and again, I, you know, we speak from experience, you know, Joe, yes. thank God, you know, in, in college um, came to that realization, took me a lot longer. Now, however, you know, we're on God's timetable. So that, if that means nothing to God, but in our own personal lives, that door that I closed, that was from the inside, the prison I was in, yes. I was locking that door. It wasn't, it wasn't even Satan locking that door. I was locking that door. He led me to the prison cell, but I'm the yes. one who locked the door, you know, and, and, and it's just like I said, it's it, it's so 
it's so amazing that that you know when you talk about healing, what we do have to obviously we we have to emphasize. Some people in the culture would say, "Well, what do you need to be healed from?" Which is the devil talking. There's no there's no need for healing. Just keep going. Filton Sheen used to talk about it all the time. You know that's his argument. Nah, don't worry about it. Just your sins. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. You know, and that people don't recognize. All right, and you know, until you hit rock bottom, that you you need healing. Yes, you go to confession. Yes, you give your sins to Jesus, but it ain't over from there. You got some scars or you got some wounds. All right. And yeah. Christ is the only one that can heal them. So let's let's stay on healing for a second at the front line with Joe and Joe. For some of the women you noted in the book, um, how did they gain that healing through the one thing that the church says is a source summit and center of the church's life, the Holy Eucharist? Uh, absolutely. It is the Holy Eucharist. And I want to go back to something you said really quickly, and I'll address Please. that. I love the fact that you just said that, that it's it's a door that you close from the inside. It's like you're the one that put yourself in that cell. And most people don't understand that. They actually don't have that realization. And I didn't for the longest time that you hold the keys to your own bondage of releasing yourself. And people don't realize, and, and women want to talk about empowerment, the amount of um, helplessness that I felt living that culture, living and taking everything the culture and the feminists had to offer me and taking that in, I was destroyed from the inside out. And I felt so helpless. I didn't feel empowered whatsoever, but I felt empowered taking control of my spiritual life, my own life, giving things over to God, breaking those bonds, healing from the inside out, especially those spiritual wounds. That's real empowerment and stepping into whatever it is that God the Father is calling you to be, that he created you to be, because every woman walking this planet, every man walking this planet has a mission, has a purpose, has a plan that is important. We are on a mission here. This isn't some game. This We're on a mission. And every person that is in hell chose to be there. It was a choice. They didn't get sent there by God. It was our choices and their choices that led them there. And so women right now out there listening, that is, this is ringing true. You have a choice that it is not over. It doesn't matter where you're at, where you've been, what sins that you have or wounds or things that the devil's holding you back or that fear that you can break free from that. If I could break free from what I broke free from, anybody can break free from anything. And I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I know it's disgusting at times and you have to like go through that. But at the other side, what God has for you is so much more. And that's really what I want to convey to women. Like it is absolutely empowering stepping into what God truly called you to be and shedding that old person I used to be, because I can sit here and talk to you today unashamed on every level because I have been healed. I have been restored, but I know what it's like to have to feel that shame and those wounds. Um, but it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah. The, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the part about shame just like, cause on a, on a personal note, you know, I always have to remind myself because obviously the evil one always wants to remind you of the things you did 20 years ago. Absolutely. All right? Cringeworthy, you know, like, and I'm sure I'm speaking, yeah. you know, everybody's mm-hmm. language here, the cringeworthy memory where, or the shameful one or whatever the case would be. And, and by the grace of God, all right, because remember, staying close to the sacraments and being in the grace of God is the most important thing. Then God immediately reminds me, you're done with that. Don't be ashamed yeah. of that stuff. You're healed. Absolutely. Now it's a battle. Life's a battle. Okay. When you're on the road that we're on, okay. Um, obviously the struggle goes to the end of your life. You know, we have to persevere to the end. All right. But at the end of the day, 
We don't have to look back on that and say, oh, I'm ashamed of that. I look at it this way. Sometimes when I mean, we all have regrets, but a lot of times when I think about regrets, I say, well, at the end of the day, really, I shouldn't regret anything because God wants me to be where I am in life right now. And all of that, because of he worked with my free will, he let me fall. He brought me to this point, and he did that for all of us, you know? So we have to emphasize to people, if you go to Jesus, there's nothing to be ashamed of. He takes no. care of it. He takes that away. And, and I think that's important because a lot of, not just women, but we're, we're talking about women because you wrote the book about women, all right? That shame is deep, and we have to emphasize to people who, who have experienced that, no, 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 you come out of that. You know, you come out of You let Christ bring you out of that and then there's nothing to be ashamed of after that no matter what the evil one tries to do before the break if you like crystalina give a comment on that you know i love the fact that that you talk about the victories that we've had and that's what people forget that the, the evil one wants us to forget the victories that we have had in our life right and he wants to always drag us down and back to the past but it's really in those victories that you can't forget and they're easy to forget because when you are sinning and you have wounds and you have that shame it's overwhelming. And when we get back, we can talk about the process that I went through. And I like to call them the four pillars of healing that I went through. And I talk about in this book that women can do themselves and even just start today, the simple things to help themselves get out of that rut that they may be in. Absolutely. Um, so if you're just joining us, the book that we uh, would encourage you to go and buy uh, is written by Kristalina Everett, who's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. The book is Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation and Healing. Please go out and buy it from the publisher. Let's start the conversation on the four pillars. Um, and then if we come up on the break in the next couple of minutes, so I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Um, I, I think that's very important to healing, but I, I was just listening to both of you guys, and and I know that you go around the country, and you this is a great message, um, but I kind of put myself in high school listening to that, and I wouldn't have bought it. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't like the Franciscan kid. Um, I know that kid, like like because I've done things with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. I'm rolling joints behind the school. I'm playing basketball. Um, th that that's me. Like, and and in college, I lived in the most popular house on, in college. I had tons of friends. Everyone wanted to come into my party. Everyone. This message doesn't resonate with me. How do you reach that kid? Because, like, I know the Franciscan kid. Oh, everything's beautiful. Well, to me, nothing's beautiful. And I don't care. I like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh, absolutely. And that's the kid, the one who thinks he knows everything. That was me, who's going down the wrong road a hundred miles an hour, a hundred miles an hour until they crash into the wall. And they will. How do you reach that kid? Because, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 oh, absolutely. Well, go ahead, Chrissy. We have about a minute and a half before the break, yeah. so if you want to comment on that. So I'm speaking to that girl that slept with those 20 guys, or she's in that hookup culture, or she's very confused about who she is and what direction she's going to, or that young man that um, has slept around that is in the party, but deep down, he's not happy. I know where he's at. I live that life. And sin is no different, and regret, remorse, and shame is no different either. You know, it doesn't go after either sexes. It's all the same with all of us. And... 
I think they're they're sick of it. They're tired of it because they're taking everything the world gives them. Now, my ministry right now is more for women, and I do a lot of the women's conferences and, and all of those things. But when I'm speaking with Jason, we kind of come at it on both levels that I tell them, look, it's never too late to start over because that's what they really want. They want to start over. They want they want something new because a lot of them, a lot of the times that we're finding they're sick and fed up with the culture. They just don't know any other way to live because that's what's been shoved down their throat. But when you give them the message of truth and love and being able to start over and you can empower yourself in that, they were they they respond to that. They really do because a lot of the girls are sick of it and they're just confused and they need that beacon of light that they're not getting anywhere else. So surprisingly, they embrace the message and we've never once, not once, had a bad response in talks. No, that's good because that's it's awesome. a needed so, message because it's a lie. Go. Well, well, the thing is, though, the way I would the, the, my quick comment on that was God's the one who's going to pull the person out. And what we're doing, what Kristalina's doing, what Jason's doing is when they come out, when God's bringing them back up, we have to be there planting those seeds and making those arguments that we talked about earlier that counter the culture. I agree with you, Joe, but let's take a quick break. Uh, so you're joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Kristalina Everett. We're discussing her new book, Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation and Healing. That's available at Sophia Press. Please go out and buy it from the publisher. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. This is an important conversation. We have another great segment with Kristalina Everett. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. The topic of discussion today is Kristalina Everett's new book, Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing. That's available at Sophia Press. Let's jump right back in. Joe Racinello. You talked about the four pillars of healing. Do, does the person have to hit rock bottom to get there? Or... Is it a point where someone just says to you, to, to, to your point, ah, I'm sick of this um, because healing does have to happen because ultimately the heart, the human heart is not made for casual sex. It simply isn't. And young people don't understand that. Like there's a lot of emotion that is involved when people have sexual intercourse, particularly if you love somebody and then it doesn't work. And that's yes. what I think is going on a lot in high schools and in colleges around America. You have people who they say they're in love. They don't know what love is. And then it falls apart. And ultimately, everything that's not grounded in God falls apart. The world hasn't been convinced of that yet, but that's a fact. And I think you have a lot of that going on. And then there needs to be healing. But that's when the wreckage is there. You know, when is that? You know, when does that healing have to happen? Rock bottom or before? Or frankly, it probably could happen in both situations. It is. You're right. You're correct in saying that. It is in both situations. But it's not necessarily about the healing. It's about that conversion of heart right? Bringing your relationship with God from up in your mind down into your heart of, okay, 
whoa, what with the way I'm living, the way I'm acting, what I'm doing, this is not okay. This is wrong. And I'm destroying myself. There, there's really this realization that they have that moves down from justifying it in their mind that moves down into their heart where God really speaks to us. Like this isn't right. And I've got to change and I want to change. It's just, they don't know how to, right. They're a bit handicapped in all of that realm of that area. And so what I do, and especially with this book with young women and tell them, look, if you are not married yet or you're engaged, go and deal with whatever wounds and issues that you have right now. Because I was naive and stupid to think when I walked down that aisle with Jason, as much as I had a healing process or I, I had a conversion, I didn't have a healing process yet. I had a big conversion, right? And I stopped the lifestyle. It was very virtuous. I was doing everything God asked me to do. And I thought walking down that aisle, it was going to have a whole new life. And I was not going to be like my parents. It was going to be different. And that was the lie that I fed myself because once I got into marriage, a couple of years after I was really having a hard time, I was angry and mad and just, I couldn't figure it out. I was crying like something was not right. I wanted to crawl out of my own skin and I did everything I could on my own. And I was going to adoration. And I remember in adoration that Jesus told me, look, you need to go to counseling. And I remember looking at the Eucharist and saying, no, no. I'm not going, <laughs> I won't go because it was humiliating because I grew up in a family that said, you don't pay people to talk about your problems too. You don't go, that means you have serious mental psychological problems. Those people that are broken, you don't need to do that. So for Jesus to ask me to do that, it was very hard, but it, after a lot of praying and I knew that was it, that was the next step. And we always don't want to do what Jesus is asking us to do. It's very difficult, but it's the only way. So I ended up going to counseling and it changed my entire life. And within counseling, um, it came up that I had been sexually abused as a child and I had suppressed it so deep down, I had no idea. Now, when I found that out and that came up, it was one of the hardest days of my life, but also I made so much sense to myself in that moment. It's like the puzzle pieces finally fit. I understood why I sexualized my anger in high school. I understood why it was hard for me to give love, to receive love, so many things made sense in that moment. Was it hard? Was it disgusting and horrible? And just having to just, oh, it was, it was, it was difficult. But at the same time, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through that process. I wouldn't have gotten past those barriers and those wounds and that bro that massive brokenness within me. I could not be here today talking with you or even write about it or help other women, but it was part of my healing process that I had to go through. So deep down, if you know you need to go to counseling, you need to go to counseling. There is a reason and far beyond what you ever think or can imagine, because I used to tell myself, well, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like my grandparents or my aunts and uncles. It was like massive infidelity all over the place and just divorce. Well, what made me think that? Who was I to say, excuse me, but who was I to say that I even had the tools in my little toolbox to keep me from being like my parents, to keep me from falling into the same sins that I grew up with and all the generational nonsense coming after me? I didn't have those tools. That was pride and arrogance on my part. I needed to go to healing. I needed to go to counseling. I needed to go to healing. I needed to go get those tools to make sure I didn't end up like my parents. But we lie to ourselves and say, well, I'm not going to be like my parents. 
Well, what makes you think that? And what makes you think you can do that if you have no tools in your toolbox to do that? You know, it's important we go and get whatever it is we need to do to help and sustain those healthy relationships that God is giving us. And if you don't, you will destroy them. It's that simple. It's literally I I want to touch on that because I think I I agree with everything you say, by the way. I agree with the, the life you live now. I mean, I have five kids. We lost two. I had seven kids. You know, I got married at 43 too. I've only been married 10 years. I get it. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to make, I get it, but I agree with everything you say. hundred percent. I'm on board. People don't know what love is. No, they don't know what love is. That's married people too. Oh, love is messy. Love is sacrificial. Love is in compromise. Love is a hundred percent of yourself from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. and you pass yes. out. <laughs> yes. That's and you pass out. The key is to pass out. This is, but this is what is at the root of the sexual revolution and people having sex outside of marriage and people contracepting within marriage. You'll ne- Sex is wonderful when it's done properly. When it's not, it destroys you. And p- it literally... In marriage, outside of marriage, it's not made for that. We're meant to give ourselves completely. Love is to be completely sacrificial. I don't know if people are being formed. That's no, they're not. And that, and and I formed myself. I went to Catholic school, Catholic college, Catholic graduate school. Um, I went through a prolonged period of chastity. Um, a lot of prayer, a lot of service. Um, I was like a monk, like in the world for a long time. People thought I was a freak. Probably they still do. But I went from the cool guy to Joe's nuts. Yeah. And and that's but in that time, I know what love is. The world doesn't know. And that's why they're giving themselves away. And in turn, they're destroying themselves. And in and in doing that, we push God away. Like like when when we're selfish, we push him away. How do we teach people about love? Because I think if we knew what love was, which is Christ, we wouldn't do this. That's hard. I mean, I didn't do that. I, I made the mistakes, but then I learned it. And and I think that even has to be learned in marriage. Oh, the self-sabotage within marriage, even, or, or Catholics are even doing it with the contraception, with with what they're doing and how they're handling their their sexuality within marriage, you know, and even bringing porn into the bedroom. It's just pure self-sabotage. And love is doing what's best for your beloved at all times. And um, it, it's true. It's from 5 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. It, it's just this self-sacrificial love that we don't see in the world. I mean, you get this message that, that it's supposed to be easy and good and happy all the time. The message of suffering and how to handle that just is not there because the world is countering that. But this is one of the biggest problems and the thing that I realized in my own life. And I want to help other women and I am helping other women realize that we are women of God. We are men, you're men of God. And that we do not solve our problems on an earthly level. And a lot of the times we're trying to, And that's where the frustration and the disconnect is, that we are people of God and we need to start learning to solve our problem as people of God and not people of the world and fully encompass and embrace that life. And if we're really, truly honest with ourselves, if we have a big problem that's coming against us or our family or our children, 
where do we go? What do we do? Do you get on social media? Do you get on Pinterest? Do you get on online? Do you go to these secular doctors or psychologists? No, what we do as people of God is we get on our knees and we pray to the Holy Spirit and we speak to Jesus and God the Father. And we ask him, what is it we're supposed to do right now? I have this problem. These are our children. These are not just mine. They belong to God as well. What am I supposed to do right now? And you wait on the Holy Spirit. And then you get your marching orders. Then you go. Then you go in the direction God's telling you to. Then you find that good counselor. Then you go talk to the priest. That is how we, as people of God, solve our problems. But we need to stop acting like people of the world and stop being frustrated as people of God because we're going at things in the wrong way. That's what I have found that has helped me tremendously in my own life because this is a war. Oh, this I is agree. a battle. And everyone needs to see it at that. You want to be a Catholic. You want to live that good godly life that he's trying to give you and be virtuous. You are suiting up for war right now. And don't ever for a second think that this is going to be some easy walk in the park full of grace life where we're happy-go-lucky because we're, Jesus is love. Yes, he is all of those things, but he was an absolute warrior, countercultural, and we are following in his footsteps and they are not easy. And at the end, God always gives us the grace. God always gives us the virtue, but it's the life of you keep on, keep on, no matter what battle, no matter what comes against you, we have to keep going and we have to ask for the grace of God and we have to be as holy and virtuous as we can right now. And some people are thinking, oh, holy and virtuous and I'm so far from that. No, you're not. People think they don't even hear the voice of God. I don't believe them. Everybody on the face of this earth hears the voice of God because they have a conscience. They know if they should be in that job. They know if they should be dating that person. They know if they should be addicted to that Netflix program they're always on, distracting themselves. Deep down, they know. They just don't want to listen. They don't want to be obedient. They want to do what they want to do. And I don't care the darkest, deepest pit that I could go to of a club and drug out so I wouldn't have to feel the feelings I was feeling. I still heard the voice of God when I was in that filth and that darkness pursuing me, calling me, and I could not shut his voice up no matter how hard I tried. So when people say, I don't hear God, I don't believe them. I don't they believe just me. Don't want to be obedient. I don't believe them either. And I will say this: the one, the the beautiful way. I got a couple of comments real quick based on what you guys were just talking about. If you don't mind, um, one is exactly the Catholic Church, the Catholic faith is not human beings reaching out to God. It's God pursuing you. That's when people say, "Oh, you're looking for something in life." No, someone's looking for me. <laughs> That's the idea. Okay. Love it. Is that the creator of the universe is actually looking for me, number one. Number two, I want to comment on counseling because a lot of people out there who might listen to our voices here at the front line with Joe and Joe being joined by Kristalina Everett. I went to I went to go and talk to someone who I wanted to be my spiritual director. All right. I think it's important to try, if you can, to pursue a spiritual director if you feel like you need that. And after a couple of sessions, he said to me, he goes, You need counseling. And I and I want I'm saying that because I I some people think that there's a stigma with counseling and i want to assure people absolutely not and i've been seeing the counselor now for the last month and a half catholic okay so combining both the 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 psychological the deep wounds the hurts from 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 the past with the spiritual and to kind of get things to the surface so that you can move forward so it was great advice and i would tell anybody out there don't feel like there's a stigma to to counseling because there's not okay um and the other thing is this um there's all 
Kristalina, there's all, always, we, we all grew up with this. We all went to school. You know, everybody's got their theory of history, okay? Marx had a theory of history. Hegel has a theory of history, okay? The history of humanity, if, you, if anybody out there wants to go look it up, is Catechism 409, and it speaks to what you were just saying. All of human history, it's not a class struggle. It's not a struggle between men and women. It is a dour combat between man and the forces of evil. That's what the catechism says human history is all about. That's what it is in a nutshell. There's a longer paragraph, but it ends with, in the midst of the battle, aided by God's grace, most importantly, okay, man can overcome himself and achieve full integrity. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what people need to realize. Forget what your Marxist professor is saying to you at the local college, okay? Marx was wrong. The catechism of the church is right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what it is. When you look at why we're having this conversation, we started talking about it. Uh, we started the conversation by talking about an historical event, the sexual revolution in the 1960s. We're talking about history, okay? And the Catholic Church, as always, has it exactly right. Those are my quick comments on what we were just talking about. Christalina Ever joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're way in the breach. Please go out and buy her book, Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing. Joe Resinello. The title of the book, Women Made New, love it. But I want to piggyback on something you said. You have to be countercultural. To be Catholic means to be countercultural. Women who want to live this way, you can't follow the crowd. Married couples that live this way, like yourself, you have a large family. I have a fairly large family uh, as well. You're not going to be like everybody else. That's, I think... Because you were saying something that I think rings very true. People know what's right. <laughs> they don't want to be alone. They don't want to be like that person that doesn't get, I always use this on, on the show, doesn't get invited to the barbecue. The Like, listen, it, the road to heaven, God's very clear in the gospel. He says, you find it. He said, the, the road is narrow. That doesn't mean you're going to go along with everybody else. Like, like it simply isn't. And that means you have to make a choice. It comes down to a choice. I choose life. And I don't care what other people think about me. Period. End of story. I'm married to a black woman. I have five interracial kids. I drive a 20-year-old car so I could send my kids to Catholic school. Don't knock the echo. I love the I echo. I love the don't echo, De La Moore, but I'll tell you this. I don't care. I don't care. And I think people recognize what you say because what you say is true, but they don't want to be that guy. Like, they may admire that guy in a distance, but in they're just like, you guy are out there. I don't want to be you. Because and and but I think we have to convince people that's where you find your joy. Well, Joe, you're talking about chat. You're talking about obviously being countercultural. So let me let me pick you pick up what you just said and and, and form it into a question. Kristalina, you have you're the co-founder of the Chastity Project. Nothing is countercultural right now is talking to people about chastity. <laughs> Again, piggybacking off of what Joe just said. Well, what is what is the Chastity Project? Tell our audience about that. 
Uh, Chastity Project is where people can go and they can find the answers if you are worried about transgenderism or you're having a hard time with your children and being chased or even having that big conversation, which that big conversation should actually be a lot of little conversations, but anything about pornography, um, dating relationships, if you're struggling, masturbation, you name it, all sexual sins. Chastity Project really encoupled everything that is counter chastity, right? To help you truly live out that lifestyle. We give presentations, we have books, we have talks, we have podcasts, you name it. If you're struggling in that realm of chastity, chastity.com is where you should go and you can find different tools and uh, things to help you live out that lifestyle. And something that... Um, one of you said was that you didn't want to be that guy, right? That that you you admire that from a distance, but you don't want to be that guy, right? I would say that when I was in high school, there was a young woman that was a virgin. Everybody knew she was. Everybody knew the way she lived. She had Christian faith. And do you know, I wanted to be her so bad. I wish more than anything, but you know what? I wanted that life because I knew how I was living. I wish I never fell. And I really admired her silently, right? I know what you're talking about. And I looked at her, but I didn't have the courage that that young girl had to go against everyone in our school. And she was actually quite popular because of it. But I was so afraid and fearful I would be rejected. And I didn't want to have to deal with some of the rejections she had, that it was my own cowardice that kept me from stepping into that lifestyle. And that's a lot of the problem now with our men, especially, and the women, that there is a cowardice and a fear, a spirit of fear and cowardice amongst us that we need to break free from. And that if we're really going to live this out truly and fully become the men and women God is calling us to be, the cowardice and fear, you need to just step into it anyway, that it doesn't matter, but that God is calling you. And I am a casualty of the 60s, I like to say. And there are a lot of women of my generation that are casualties of the 60s, where our mothers left hoorah feminism and going and building building empires and their companies and working and business suits and throwing out their veils and their aprons and they didn't realize at the time that they were leaving an entire generation behind of young women who are now entering into marriage unlike me when I entered into marriage I didn't know how to cook I didn't know how to clean I didn't know how to run a household I didn't know how to have the essence of that Catholic godly wife and and that woman mentoring me teaching me how to raise these kids how to be a Catholic wife how to have a home I went into marriage absolutely handicapped and I went into marriage handicapped and I was so ashamed. I didn't know how to run my household. I didn't know how to do a lot of those things. And what I realized when I started confronting this with my Women Made New television series with EWTN, that's what it was all about, is going after that generation of the casualties of the 60s of women like me who felt broken in their own homes, who felt inadequate in their own homes, and to let them know that you are not alone, that you were left behind, and that God is with you, and that we we can do this together, and that I completely understood because I went through it myself. And so in the 60s, it just didn't hurt the sexual culture and the revolution. It hurt an entire generation of women of learning how to be wives and mothers and running their, their Catholic home that the, the evil one and the feminists are so against right now. And so it hurt us as well in that regard, not just the sexual revolution. It went so much deeper than that, that people don't even talk about or realize. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when you think about 
the means by which they tried to spread this. I mean, it always comes to mind, and I'm not I'm not judging her. I, mean, I don't want to sound that way because I pray for her all the time. The singer who calls herself Madonna. She was uh, my argument about her is she's a put up job. She was put up by the feminist. Not a very good singer. Not a very good dancer. But what she is is she's anti Catholic. She's yes. the Catholic anti Catholic. Okay, and she corrupted a whole generation of young women. And my problem with that more than anything else is she's the one they put up there and say, you know, it's almost, it's like, you know, like you could live like this too. Uh, rich, famous, blah, blah, blah. And all that. Do you know how many women's lives she destroyed? She's responsible for this. Now, ultimately it's like Joe said, and like we alluded to, we all make our own choices, but those choices are influenced obviously by the culture. It's like you have a whole generation of women who are out there. You could you could see their testimonies online, especially if you listen to Catholic media. All right, a lot of these women are out there talking about a lot of things you were talking about, Kristalina. It's like, and it was because of her. And people are like now the new iteration of her is Lady Gaga, you know, because she's yeah. also Catholic, claims to be Catholic, all right, all into the transgenderism and everything else. That's what we're fighting against. Now, that's a segue into my question. Do you think we're making headway against that? Because I happen to think that we are. I think there's more women like you out there now who are saying, hold it, hold it. You want to put the, you want to make this out to be a shiny new Cadillac? This thing's a piece of garbage is what this is. There's a 68 Chevy that's in better shape than, than this nonsense <laughs> you're trying to, you're trying to sell. You think that we're starting to make headway? Because I do. Because I hear more voices out there like yours, Kristalina, that are countering that. Obviously, it's a long road to go. But do you think that we're starting to maybe show some of that courage um, oh. in fighting against this? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. And you know how I think we're making massive headway is that all the evil that you're seeing at these award shows and these satanic rituals oh. out in the open and Madonna on Vogue with the blasphemy of the Last Supper and the, the Our Lady of Sorrows and everything that they're, they're out in our face doing, right? It only shows a sign of weakness because they're out in the light. The devil is no longer allowed to hide in the darkness and the shadows and operating as if he doesn't truly exist. People are seeing evil for what evil is, and they're having to make a choice. That's it. He's not allowed to hide. And that's how the devil likes to operate on every level, especially in this war that we're in, is in secret and in the dark. And God has forced him, and I believe his people are forcing the evil one to the light, he's got nowhere else to go. And that right there in war, in the devil's war, is a sign of weakness, that he has to be so out in the light, he cannot hide his horns and fangs anymore, and that people are making decisions full well knowing what they're getting into. And people yeah, are having conversion because of it. Well, and, and and again, thank God, all glory to God, because yeah. I mean, if you if a young kid looks at the Grammys, all right, and sees Sam Who's Smith up there in a satanic ritual, and they think in their mind, "Wow, that's just great. I want me a piece of that." <laughs> you, you know, I I don't I don't know what to tell you, but it's like you said, he's thrived. The evil one has thrived in the shadows, in the yeah. darkness. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing him out into the light. Because yeah. now we could point to him and say, he gave us the grace to be able to recognize him. Now we could point to him and say, to yeah. him, is that what you want? Is that what you want? Because he's selling you a bill. He's selling you that 68 Chevy that, that, that I just alluded to. We have a few more minutes. Joe Racinello, we got time for one more question, bro. Transformation is real because God is real because God loves everyone. That's very important. I think it's not just for the perfect people. I'm not perfect. 
And I think that's an important message um, that we have to, and I know you do, because you, to be honest with you, uh, you're a regular person. I can tell. Yes. You, I can yeah. tell. So am I, actually. I'm, there's nothing extraordinary about me. Nothing except that God loves me. That's it. And that's the important message, I think, to people. Transformation. How is God's transformation different than a self-help book? Because a lot of people get into that. You know, like, this is not about self-help. This is about transformation that's available to you. Everybody. Not just me. Who am I? No one. For you. Every person that hears this. Talk about that. Because it's real. Oh, absolutely. It's about your healing. It's about your restoration. It's about becoming the man or woman that God is truly calling you to be and stepping into that. And I would say nine times out of 10, most people are not walking on this earth in God's will, in their mission that God created them for. Like I, my kids always ask me, are you scared to die, mommy? And I say, no, what I, the biggest fear that I have is that I'm not going to be able to stand before God the Father one day and say, I did it. I fulfilled the mission that you gave me on this earth. I did everything you asked me to do. That's powerful. And people have to give God the permission to transform them to become the man or woman that he's calling them to be. No devil in hell can force me to sin. And God himself can't force me to live in his will and to do what he's asking me to do. Now, is that moral compass there on a daily basis for all of us? I call that the compass. I tell my kids, you listen to that compass and it'll get you to heaven. You know, just always listen to that compass, that small, still voice. And if people could learn to use that, listen on a daily basis and be obedient to it, their entire lives would transform and the trajectory of their life would change. But it's about obedience, which is very difficult. But any person, I don't care, the biggest sinner, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what is happening in your life, anybody can transform and change their life and affect the world on a great level. And it's not about affecting the world. First, it's about you having that transformation and conversion within yourself. And if people want to heal one, I would say the starting point is confession. You've got to go to confession on a real level. You know, this is not this halfway whole, half-hearted confession. We're talking go to confession and start over and be right with God. The second thing is to get a good Catholic counselor. You can go to womenmadenew.com and you can go down to healing or counseling and you can put in your zip code and you can find the closest Catholic counselor or they can do telehealth where they'll do counseling sessions online um, over the internet with you. So you can do it in the privacy of your own home. I mean, there's no excuses at this point anymore for someone to start a healing process. And they also can get go to adoration. You have got the, the, that was another one of my pillars. It's first is confession, being right with God, a good spiritual director, a good Catholic counselor. And you've got to do this with Jesus. You've got to become Eucharistic. You've got to go to mass. You've got to go to Eucharistic adoration. I would go to my counseling sessions and right after I would go straight to an adoration chapel every time. And I would go there with my journal or box of Kleenex for sure. And sometimes I would be mad at God, like what is happening right now to me. And at the end of the day, the grace and the mercy and the, 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 the doctor of all doctors, the spiritual doctor, Jesus would go within me and he was healing me because there are memories that would come up in my mind of just, I can't believe I'm thinking of this, this adoration or these things, these disgusting things would come up. And, you know, I couldn't even tell you what they were anymore. 
And I realized looking back on those times, he was actually working on me, doing spiritual surgery on me and taking filth out of me. And that that's how you heal. You heal with a good counselor, a good spiritual director, going to add confession every two weeks, once a month with the latest. And, um, Eucharistic adoration. It's its going to transform you as a man and woman of God if you're really serious about this. And you are not a lost cause. It doesn't matter, like I said, who you are, where you've been, what you've done. All that matters now is where you go from here. And God is calling and pursuing you right now. And that's why they're listening to this program today. Crystalina, thank we have to leave it there. Great way to end. All right. Um, unfortunately, we're on radio. We could we could talk to you for hours. Um, but the book is Women Made New: Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing. Uh, the author, Crystalina Everett, um, who graced us by joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe today. And buy the book, please. At Sophia Press, Crystalina, you are welcome back at the front line with Joe and Joe anytime, our friend. Thank you. I had a wonderful time. Excellent. Thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350, on your AM dial, 103.9, on your FM dial. Remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.